0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today to praise the Lord together, to hear from his word, to hear from Pastor Bays. So let's start off the morning by praising his name. Amen? Please stand with us.
1: everybody. If if you're here this morning, would you turn to the person next to you and say, glad you're in God's house today?
0: Glad you're in God's house today. How are
1: you doing? Oh, no. Glad you're in God's house, my brother. Amen. All right. Thank you. You may have a seat once you do that, once you greet the person next to you, and if you are a first-time guest or a first-time at long time at First Baptist Church, if you would take one of these connection cards, it would be well worth your time to fill that out, to put your address and phone number and so, so forth on that, and then if you have prayer requests, to fill that out, and put this in the offering box, which is to the left of the double doors in the back. If you do that, you're a first-time guest, I will send you a Starbucks gift card. I will. And Peter, don't try doing that again under an alias, okay? So uh, I recognize the address and the phone number, so don't be, don't be doing that. So, but uh, we'd love to have a record of your visit here at First Baptist Church with us. And we want to go to the Lord in a word of prayer right now and, and pray for Nadia Chata, who is back in the hospital uh, with uh, infection. So she's been having a really rough time for many, many weeks now. So let's pray for Nadia together. Our Father in heaven, as we bow in your presence this morning, We're so grateful to be in this place. Father, we're so grateful to be in a community that knows what Memorial Day is all about and celebrates the fact that people gave the ultimate price so that we could have the freedoms to worship together, to go and to do and to be whatever God leads us to go and to do and to be. So, Father, we pray your blessings upon uh, those families who've lost loved ones at this time of year. We pray that you might encourage them and uh, Father, help them to know that their loved one, uh, we recognize, paid a huge price for each one of us, and we thank you for it. No greater love can anyone have than, would die, than a man would die for his friends. And so, Father, thank you for those who, who invested in us. And then for Nadia, Lord, she's been having such a rough time. We know that you are the great physician. We know that you can heal. We know that, uh, Father, the physicians, the medica- medications and all that, Uh, are things that you give to us to help us. And so we pray that whatever way you would see fit, you would touch her and heal her and help her to be back home and healthy again. And we would thank you for it. Bless this service, God. Please be in the service we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. All right, we have a video. I want you to see before we go any further. never forget. Never. I want to mention to teenagers, your class is meeting on the patio today. It's uh, not the usual week, but they are meeting on the patio, so you're dismissed anytime you would like to go there. There will be no military lunch today. Uh, Ryan and, and uh, Nate have taken about 40 of our people up to uh, Big Bear uh, for a camp out, so uh, uh, we're short of cooking staff. So take pity on a a poor uh, military person sitting next to you who looks really hungry and invite them to lunch, take them and and get them a hamburger or something today. They'd appreciate that. Uh, Tuesday, we begin finally, finally, finally with uh, replacing the roof on on this part of the building over here, on the classrooms. So be praying that that goes really, really well. It uh, has been raining the whole time, as you know. Saturday, men's breakfast, 8 a.m. If you can be here at 7 to help cook, that would be great. Uh, but 8 a.m., we'll be having uh, breakfast together. We, have, we had a great one last month, and the last several months have been outstanding. Next Sunday, we'll be preaching on God Called Preachers, and if you are interested in having a Basque student for one month this summer, uh, go ahead and let me know or let Julie know or just call the church, whatever, and let us. Know, and we'll hook you up with Chris Probosco and, and get that taken care of. They still need, last I heard, about four homes, so uh, if you are thinking about it, this would be a good time to go ahead and let us know that. Let's stand together, we'll go to the we'll not go to the Lord in a word of prayer. We'll go ahead and worship him <laughs> and sing songs of praise to him. Purchased from the slave market of sin. The chains don't hold us anymore. I'll tell you what, the devil has nothing good for us. God's got everything great for us. Amen. Amen. Thank you, praise team, for leading us in praise this morning. I appreciate it. You may be seated in the congregation. I invite everybody to turn to Mark chapter one. But while and before they do that, or while you're doing that, I want all the boys and girls who would like you to come on down here for the front to the front for a moment. I got a little bit of a lesson I want to share with you before you go to your classes. So all the boys and girls, come on up here, and everybody else look up Mark, Mark Gospel chapter 1, okay? How many of you, boys and girls, girls and boys, know that Jesus is real? How many of you know that, okay? Everybody knows that Jesus is real. And, and how many know he's the Son of God? Okay, all of you know he's the Son of God. How many of you know where he is right now? Somebody want to tell me where he is? I know. Where? He's in heaven, and that's because he rose from the dead, and he went up to his father in heaven, and he wants all of you to want him to be your personal savior at some point in time. Now, let me ask you another question. Think about this for a minute. How many know that the devil is real? How many know the devil's real? You know what? He is, and he has a lot of followers, too, and those followers are called what? Anybody know? Listen to it. Huh? They're called demons. They're called demons and or evil spirits or unclean spirits. And if we had, listen to this, if we had special glasses that we could put on, some kind of special spiritual glasses that we could put on, we could maybe see angels of God doing battle with demons. All around us, but we don't know what's going on because we can't see it, we can't hear it, we can't taste it, we can't touch it, we can't feel it, but they're there, and if we had those special glasses, perhaps we could see that. And maybe we would see evil spirits trying to get us to do bad things and then laughing at us when we do because then we have trouble and we have problems. So there's a lot going on around us, but guess what? We don't have to be afraid. Not even a little bit, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Jesus is much more powerful than all the demons and even Satan and all of them put together. And when you draw close to God, God will draw close to you and resist the devil. He will flee from you. He will try to get away from you. Demons don't like to be around God. So the closer you get to God, the further the demons will stay away from you. So don't ever play with the devil stuff. Don't ever play video games that have stuff with the devil. Don't ever play fortune-telling games, those kinds of things, because that's kind of on the edge of spirit stuff, and it's not something for Christians to be involved in, okay? Sound good? All right, let's pray, okay? Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for these girls and these boys and pray your richest blessings upon them. We pray, God, that you would keep them from the evil one, Pray that you would build a hedge of protection around them and that, Father, you would help their parents and and Sunday school teachers and school teachers and preacher and everybody else to be watching out for them and keep things as safe as we can for them. Help them to always follow after you, we pray in Jesus' name. And all the boys and girls said, amen. Amen. All right, go ahead and go to your class this morning. Mark chapter one, the gospel of Mark. We're going to be in Capernaum today. Uh, Capernaum, and about 31 A.D. on the Sabbath day. And again, the Sabbath day is Sunday? This is Saturday. That's right. Sabbath is Saturday. Sunday is the first day of the week, but we're here in Capernaum, 31 A.D. Uh, Jesus had not risen from the dead yet, so on the Sabbath day, he was busy doing the work of the Father. Today, we were going to learn about the choosing of Uh, and the calling of God's inner circle of disciples. We were going to do that. However, Ryan Bailey took about 40 sailors to Big Bear, thwarting the whole plan of Almighty God (laughs) in this schedule of sermons that I was going to preach. So we're going to rewrite the chronology of the life of Christ one week and uh, in hopes that when everybody gets back next week, some of those young sailors will be, maybe God will, the Holy Spirit will, talk to them about being missionaries or or men or pastors or youth pastors or Uh, or what Christian school teachers or whatever. So we're kind of inverting. So today's lesson was supposed to be next week. Next week's lesson is supposed to be today, so keep that in mind. We find ourselves today at an event and a point in time when Jesus' ministry was not yet generally known, nor was his ministry generally known about. A few exceptions. In Cana, they knew about him because of the miracle at the wedding feast. We'll see what happened when Jesus began his public ministry in a very public manner in a way that spread, the Bible says, spread his fame all around. I will use Mark chapter 1 and beginning in verse 21 and, and going through 28 as the main text. Now, you remember we talked about the synoptic gospels. We talked about the gospel of John here and the gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke over here. These three agree so much more in their chronology and in the subject matter they record. John is is different, but that doesn't mean it's not Part of the Word of God, because together they form the gospel. And so, in this, keeping that in mind, Mark chapter 1 is almost repeated word for word, almost in Luke chapter 4, verses 31 through 37, uh, a duplicate of what Mark says. Now, Mark's gospel begins this narrative in the very first chapter of the gospel of Mark. Uh, and, and when, it, of course, the Bible was not written, you understand, with chapters and verse divisions, right? was not written that way. Uh, these were letters uh, and, and, and writings that, that the holy men of old moved, wrote as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't broken in chapters and verses until the first English Bible in 1557, written by William uh, Whittingham, or actually translated by w- William Whittingham. Then the first Bible in English to use both chapter and verse designations was the Geneva Bible. Uh, published shortly afterwards in 1560. If you've ever been to Pil- to Plymouth, anybody here been to Plymouth on the East Coast? Um, well, I, I wanted to go see the Plymouth Rock, you know, because I always saw it in the pictures and my books in school and people standing on Plymouth Rock planting a flag or whatever. And I, I'm there and I'm saying, some guys walk by, I said, where's Plymouth Rock? He says, right there. <laughs> and there's a little pebble. <laughs> I said, that's, that's Plymouth Rock? What else are they lying to me about? You know what I'm saying? It's crazy. So, uh, but but I, I was in the town, the old village, the old Plymouth Colony reenactment type guy, and there's all these people, blacksmith shop and a place that made soap and a place that made candles and all. And then there was this big preacher, uh, well, preacher with a big Bible. Looked like about a 50-pound Bible. And he was walking along, and I said, I know it. So I went up to him, and I engaged him. Are you, the, are you the minister? Yeah. I said, you got a King James Bible there? Oh, no. No, no, no. I've got the pure word of God. I said, what? I got the Geneva Bible. So I didn't realize the Geneva Bible was in use here uh, before the King James Version, before any of the other versions that are so common today. So in, in 1560s, when they started being... Re- Can you imagine trying to preach and look up references without having chapters or verses? Uh, just every every prophet, every uh, every gospel, every letter to the churches were, were all just one continuous. And a lot in the Greek didn't even have the capital letters and so on, periods. I mean, just totally difficult. We can look up verses now uh, because we have chapters, because we have verses, because we have everything uh, organized for us to make it easy to study the Word of God. So, Mark in chapter one is going to talk about the same event. That Luke talks about in chapter 4. So if they're synoptic gospels and they're very much parallel and they're parallel passages, why is Mark starting in chapter 1 and Luke doesn't start the same story until chapter 4? Isn't that a problem? Well, not when you understand that Luke refers to Jesus Christ as, and is writing from the standpoint of the fact that he's fully human. Matthew wrote he was a Jew. Mark wrote that he was a servant. Luke wrote that he was truly man. John wrote that he was truly God. So you put them all four together, you got a picture of who Jesus the Christ really is. So because Luke was revealing Jesus as fully human, human beings have genealogies. So that's what part of Luke's gospel was, was taken up with, was the genealogy and the story of how Jesus came to be. Mark, on the other hand, as we mentioned, shows Jesus as a slave, as a servant, and so servants don't have to have a pedigree. Servants don't have... Their genealogy is not important. They're just servants. So that's, that's one of the reasons why you're starting in Mark chapter 1. So first point is in the synagogue in Mark chapter 1, verse 21. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue and began to teach. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 1, you don't have to turn there, but it actually refers to Capernaum as Jesus' own city his own city. This is the new headquarters for Jesus' ministry activities, and it was on the northwest side of the Sea of Galilee. If you remember the Sea of Galilee, I don't think I have a map for this, but the Sea of Galilee is up in the northern part uh, of the nation of Israel, and on the west side of that, and and on the northwest side of that. Uh, So imagine Salton Sea. Imagine we're a little bit west of it. Imagine a little bit north of it, That's where they were, northwest side of the Sea of Galilee, which is also called Lake Gennesaret. Same body of water, which is also called Sea of Tiberias. Three different names, one body of water. And that's where his new home would be uh, for the public ministry. The name of the town comes from two words that put together mean the village of Nahum. So I thought, well, that's probably named after the Old Testament prophet, but it's not. Uh, They don't know who, according to commentaries, they don't know who. The village was named after someone named Nahum. And the King James Version says, straightway on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue. Straightway is is an old English way of saying immediately. So immediately... Uh, on the Sabbath day, he entered in the synagogue and taught. One of the commentaries said, "On the Sabbaths, he continued to teach, or from the very first Sabbath and each Sabbath afterwards." So it kind of uh, this this commentator implies this was more than just one occurrence. This would happen uh, and uh, all routinely on the Sabbath day, he would go to the synagogue and teach. So Jesus is doing exactly what he did, if you remember, in Nazareth on the Sabbath, going to the synagogue, teaching and preaching. And, and at first, <clears throat> there, was, uh, there was a, a good reaction, uh, a response, and then uh, in Nazareth, there was a bad one. We'll talk about that in just a minute. But, but he goes to the, to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. That's what an upright Jewish man did. And by the way, that's what upright, I think, uh, Christian people do today is go to church on the Lord's Day. I just think that's an important thing to do. So second here, the response of the people in Mark chapter 1, verse 22, the people were amazed, Interesting word in the English. Amazed, we understand what that means—just kind of taken back with astonishment. Uh, but it, in the in the Greek uh, language, it, the word there means struck, as if they had had the air punched from their lungs. Have you ever had the air knocked out of you? Anybody ever done that? I—I I got when I was studying for this, I thought that's not happened to me for. Ever and I am so glad. I don't know what happens, but it's like you just can't inhale. You cannot inhale. It's like you lay there and make weird animal noises because you're <laughs> you're in pain and people are saying, What's wrong? What's wrong? What's wrong? You're going, eh, eh, eh. you can't talk. They were the they people were breathless. That's probably a figure of speech here. Probably they probably weren't all out there gasping for another breath to try to stay alive, but they were breathless in the sense of a, uh, of a figure of speech because his teaching, he taught with real authority. Now, that word authority, exousias, we've studied that before. That's a power. It means permissible. It means loud. It mean, uh, uh, allowed. It means authority. It means the right, the liberty, the power to do something. Uh, So he was, and then it says he was quite unlike the teachers of the religious law. King James Version says, not as the scribes. So when Jesus taught, people were breathless, and they recognized that he had an ability that their religious leaders lacked. Religious leaders could read the same verse of Scripture, and it wouldn't have the same effect on them. So they were, they were astonished. The astonishment overtook them in the synagogue, uh, just as it did, first of all, in Nazareth. And they were astonished at two things, the matter that he spoke, the subject matter, the doctrine that he taught, and the manner of how he delivered it, how his how he gave them the truth of the word of God, the matter and the manner. They were so amazed at his teaching, they, they were scarce able to breathe. And, and Jesus had had what the religious po- uh, problem Leaders rather uh, uh, did not have the power and the authority and the permission from on high to do what he did. His words were life giving and life altering. I want you to think about that a minute. Words can be life giving and life altering you ever watch you ever watch old newsreels of Hitler and Nazi Germany and the thousands, if not tens of thousands of people that would gather and listen to the things he said and would would actually go to war because of the things he said, would actually um, commit atrocities against a whole nation of Jews, but not just Jews, a lot of other people. Have you ever wondered how? It's the power of words to persuade in the mouth of the person delivering. And if they're a good person, Jesus was absolutely the best person who's ever lived, and his words have the power of transformation to take lives and to, and to redeem them and to take those who were headed to hell and, and change their whole uh, course so that they're going to heaven. He, I mean, everything changes. But if you listen to the wrong words, if you listen to the wrong philosophies, you'll develop the wrong worldview and the wrong ideas about things. When the word of God is preached, it can, it can change your destiny, your philosophy of life, your worldview, even your eternal home. Other secular philosophies can have great power too, and they can change you to uh, something less than what you would want, I promise you. So first, the response at Capernaum was like Nazareth, but the reaction of the crowd was altogether different than the one in Nazareth. Because you remember what they did in Nazareth? You remember last week we talked? They they forced him out of the synagogue, forced him up on a high precipice and tried to push him over. They said, show us a miracle. And, and and as they were getting ready to push him over to commit capital punishment upon a person, which is one of the forms of capital punishment Rome would use, driving people off cliffs, he just suddenly did perform a miracle and walked right through them and went on back home. So uh, that was what happened in Nazareth. But here's the, the reaction in uh, Capernaum, the reaction of a demon. Now, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna talk to you about something that um, is real, absolutely real. Like I told the kids, uh, I don't claim to be an expert. I am not an exorcist. Please do not call me up and say, "Come and cast the demons out of my wife." When I'm th- I'm, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that. So. I, I'll call someone else for you. But uh, So Mark chapter 1, verse 23, suddenly a man in the synagogue who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, why are you interfering with us? Plural. Why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Now, the King James Bible says an unclean spirit cried out. Literally, it meant an unclean breath, an unclean breath. Um, and, and by the way, demons went to synagogue, and demons go to church. I said demons, not deacons. Uh, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. But but <laughs> demons go to church, and, and you know what I found interesting about this too. I got to thinking about this as I, as in studying a little bit about Spiritism and a little bit about demonology from the Word of God, from the Bible only. There are no atheist demons. Find one. There are no atheist demons. Demons—they know exactly who Jesus is. So, so here, this unclean spirit emanated, unclean breath emanated out of this man. The spirit of a man is—is is what's at our vital core. Sometimes we call it a couple of different things. Sometimes we call it soul, our soul. Sometimes we call it spirit. Technically, it is uh, the spirit. Technically, soul—I think—is life consciousness. We—we are aware that we're uh, here. Most of us are aware that we're here, uh, but. The spirit is the part that can know God, and the spirit is the part that died when sin entered the world, and it has to be redeemed. It has to be born again. So uh, originally, God breathed into Adam's nostrils, and he became a living spirit, a living soul, and, and then the fall interrupted God's creation. So demon activity involves the world of unclean and evil and fallen and divisive spirits. Uh, these were angels that kept not their first estate. Some theologians say up to a third of the created angels fell into sin, up to a third rebelled against God. In June cha- Jude chap- Jude 6, there is no other chapter than one, but in Jude 6, the angels which kept not their first estate, literally they followed Satan's rebellion, but left their own habitation. He is reserved in everlasting chains uh, under darkness, unto the judgment of of the great day. So this this individual, uh, some commentators say, literally was sunk in an evil spirit. He was, it's like if you go out here in the water and you sink under the water, he was sunk in. He was immersed in this evil spirit, unclean spirit. This status, that, that state of being is mentioned some 20 times in the gospels alone. Now, demon activity, according to many theologians, can be manifested in one of three ways. This is not hard and fast, okay? This may be uh, but it, it seems to make sense to me. So demon possession, demon possession. This man was demon possessed. He was indwelt by evil spirit or spirits. So that's demon possession. They indwell people or they indwell animals. They indwelled a herd of pigs and ran over the side of a cliff uh, and committing, therefore, pigicide, I guess it would be called. I, I don't know what it's called. Uh, why do I say that? Uh, but demon possession, demon influence would be the second thing where demons try to... In, now, look, if you are born again, if if the Holy Spirit indwells you, I do not believe you can be possessed by demons because you're already possessed by Jesus Christ. So uh, you draw near to him and and he'll draw near to you. You, you resist the devil, he will flee from you. But but he, but demons can influence us. They can try to turn our hearts, turn our attention, turn our minds, control us in some respect. And then there's demon oppression, when they just fight against us and, and oppress us and pile heavy burdens on us and do whatever they can to trip us up and to mess us up. So the demon possession, demon influence, demon oppression may not be a perfect way to categorize it, but I think it's pretty fairly accurate. Demon activity is also closely associated with drug use, with alcohol, with marijuana, with opioids, and more on this in just a couple of minutes from the from Scriptures. There was a man here indwelt with an unclean or evil spirit, and he speaks out against Jesus. Now, the unclean spirits have an agenda, folks. Uh, they know their days are numbered, but they have an agenda, and the agenda is to destroy as much of of us who are created in the image of God, as they possibly can, to destroy as many people as they possibly can. I personally think, and I don't have a chapter and verse for this, uh, that that people in the entertainment industry or other industry, it, it doesn't matter, business, whatever. I think some of them uh, are are so um, manipulated by evil spirits and and are given so much in the way of material success or popular success. Fame, whatever you want to call it, uh, that uh, until they serve their purpose, and then they turn on the people that they have invested in and destroy them, because demons are destroyers. So there was a man here with an unclean, evil spirit. Spoke out. Jesus also has an agenda, but it's an, a diametric agenda to the devil's. Obviously, his agenda is to help us to go to heaven and to make sure that we can get there by grace through faith that you saved by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, he wants us to live for him. He wants us to be a light on a hillside. He, he, he doesn't want us to cover the light. He wants us to let it shine. Uh, and so he has a plan. He has a, uh, an agenda for us. So the demoniac calls to him, Jesus, you Nazarene, or Jesus of Nazareth. And, and some say this was an epithet originally given to express contempt. You remember what Nathaniel said when his brother came to him and said, we found the Messiah? He's out of Nazareth. They said, can any good thing come from Nazareth? So Nazareth didn't have a great reputation. Um, I was going to think of an illustration, but it probably would offend some people if you're from that. So I won't say that. But anyhow, uh, it just doesn't have a good reputation. Oh, so, okay. We had, we had our grandson over. Now this, I changed. I've switched gears. Now, okay, that's over. This is a new thought. We had we had our grandson over, and uh, he's nine years old, and we're out in the backyard, and we've got this real lumpy grass that's uh, uh, Korean grass, and he says, uh, "What kind of grass is that, Granddad?" I said, "That's Korean grass." He says, "North Korean or South Korean?" <laughs> I'm sure this is South Korean son. We, <laughs> we don't anything to do with North Korea. So, uh, so, so if I told you, you know, if I told you that someone was from North Korea uh, and and in the, the leadership there, that wouldn't be a real good testimony to the kind of person they probably are. Well, people from Nazareth did not have a good testimony uh, outside of the city of Nazareth. So, so we're this theo this. Commentator says when he said Jesus of Nazareth, it was kind of a put down, you Jesus, you Nazareth, you Nazarene. But it later became, it later became used by the It's like when they were first called Christians, and then later on they started calling them Christians. So, so even if it was an epithet, it it is it is still it is not that today. So the demons who were themselves tormentors and destroyers of their victims figure out and discern in Jesus uh, that they have their own designated tormentor with a capital T and destroyer with a capital D And so they were anticipating and dreading what they know and they feel is is awaiting them. And so he was saying here, maybe this is the one who's going to bruise my head. Maybe this is the one I'm going to bite his heel, but he's going to bruise my head. I'm going to die. Maybe he has come to judge me right now. That's what this demon or these demons are thinking probably right now. So the unclean spirit said, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I know who you are the Holy One of God. isn't it interesting? A demon recognized the person and the presence of our Lord, while so many of the religious crowd of his day did not see him for who he was. The answer of the Holy One, point four. Verse 25, Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet and come out of the man, he ordered. No theatrics, no being slain in the spirit, no speaking in other languages, other tongues. Be quiet, come out of the man. Demons are subject to the commands of Jesus, and that is so reassuring to me. Even as Satan is, too. Satan can only go so far as God lets him go. Perhaps Jesus. Didn't want the political connotation of Messiah to go abroad. Perhaps that's why he told the demon to be quiet. Maybe he just told him to shut up. Just be quiet. I'm tired. I don't want to hear from you. I want you to come out of the man. I want you to leave him alone. Clearly, the demons and Satan are no match for our Savior. That battle was won in a 40-day period in the wilderness when Jesus withstood every temptation the devil could throw at him but I want to caution you, please. We are no match for Satan. I, I'm not. I'm not even, I don't want to, that's why I say, you, you want you want an exorcism? Call, call Father, what's his name down here? I, I'm, I, I'm not into exorcism. I'll tell you why in just a minute and give you some scriptures to go with it. Uh, but Jesus here silenced the testimony from the demon as to, who he, as to who Jesus was, and he allowed the demon to rant in the next verse, but not right here. So in verse 26, the results of the encounter, at that the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into convulsion, and then came out of him. So here's the unclean spirit's final fit involving the man in the congregation of the synagogue. The unclean spirit shrieks, and it throws the man into convulsions. How much more evil would he have done to the individual if he had not been cast out? Was demon possession only prevalent in Bible days or in third world countries? Why isn't demon possession found in America? It is. It absolutely is. I am certain in the three years I worked in the psychiatric hospital, Springfield, Missouri, I am certain I witnessed people who were demon possessed, who were obsessed with spiritual themes Adulter- some of them had names they called themselves adulterous jerusalem or uh, mary the mother of jesus or i mean all kind and i'm not saying all mental illness is demon possession please don't misunderstand me there's there are diagnoses from uh, from things that go on in our bodies that we have no control over and affect our minds and so on uh, but i think there is also demon possession and, and i think i witnessed it on several occasions but Look at read the papers last week a man somewhere i don't remember where it was beheaded his girlfriend publicly heinous crimes are perpetrated against little children people we saw we saw one news thing on tv people are pushing people onto the tracks in the subways in New York who's standing on the platform just waiting for a sub, subway ride. Mass shootings have become, it seems like, every day or every few days. Another mother last week killed her children and, and claimed, I can't remember, I, I, I won't say, but frequently when they'll say, voices told me to. Suicide is not a natural choice, folks. Not a natural thing to want to take your life. You know, we prayed, was it last week, uh, that God would keep, would protect, and that lady that was on the bridge from four o'clock until one in the morning came down. She came down. Keep praying. Keep praying that God puts a barrier there and keeps people from, because suicide is not a natural choice. Everybody who's ever survived, there have been survivors, everyone who's ever survived regretted jumping the moment they took their step. Everyone. I think some of that's demon influence, if not outright possession. You remember the story in the Bible where the, the, the man's son would throw himself into the water, throw himself into the fire, trying to destroy him? I think people who think about suicide, at the very least, are influenced to do so, and Satan's business is still to destroy people who are possessed to do horrific acts of violence. Listen to Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 21. This I say then, walk in the Holy Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh, for the lust Flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be led of the Holy Spirit, you're not under the law. Now listen to this. The works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. Witchcraft there in the Greek is an interesting word. It is pharmakia. Where do we get, what do you think, what word emanates from pharmakia? Pharmacy. What does pharmakia mean in Greek? It means the occult. It means sorcery. It means witchcraft. It means illicit pharmaceuticals. It means trances. It means magical incantations with involving drugs it it is all of those things and more and then it goes on hatred variance, emulations and strife and seditions in revelations chapter revelation chapter 18 verse 23 the light of the lamp will never shine in babylon again the happy voice of brides and grooms will never be heard in you again for your merchants were the greatest in the world and you deceived the nations with your sorceries and again in the in the septuagint version the greek version of the the hebrew it is uh, or rather this would be the, uh, of the Greek, pharmakia, which is the same word. So you were deceived with your sorceries. Uh, the sorcery or the magic and, and involves drugs and potions and especially use the poison making. And, and fentanyl. Fentanyl is becoming the number one killer of young adults, the number one killer, fentanyl. Our society's gone Mad. Ingesting whatever drug to find whatever high buzz or relief, or, 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 or even if it lands them at the death at, at the door of death itself. The amazement of the people in verse 27, amazement gripped the audience and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey its orders. The news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee, and immediately his fame, literally the hearing of what he had done, spread abroad throughout all the regions about Galilee. rather, And Jesus commanded the evil spirits, and they obeyed his voice, and that was big news because that didn't generally happen. People were just as mystified as to what to do with demons possessed people in Jesus' day as they are today. And now we're more inclined to to explain it in terms of some kind of poor social relationships or whatever, rather than for what it really is. But the people in Capernaum were amazed at his power. It indicates that perhaps exorcisms as such were not commonplace and that what Jesus did was entirely different from what most exorcisms actually resulted in, which was nothing good. Remember the sons of Sceva? In Acts chapter 19, verse 13, certain of the vagabonds, Jews, exorcists, took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits, the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, we adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preaches. And there were seven sons of one, Sceva, S-C-E-V-A, a a Jew and chief of the priests which did so. And the evil spirit, listen to this, okay? The evil spirit said, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? Huh? And the man in whom the evil spirit was, was leaped on them and overcame seven of them and prevailed against them, so they fled out of the house naked and wounded. Don't call me for exorcisms because I don't want you to see me running down the street naked and wounded. <laughs> Either one, and I promise you, you don't want to see that. Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who in the world do you think you are? That's what the demons were saying. The unclean spirits were subject to Jesus, but not the seven sons. Don't play with spiritism. When I was a kid growing up, um, the Ouija board, right? Who am I going to marry? You push it over to your girlfriend's name. How many kids are you going to have? 17. That's when I was dumb and young. Hey, nobody, nobody told me, don't mess with that. Horoscopes in the paper. Well, what's today going to be like? You know what? You're better off looking in here to find out what today's is going to be like. Get your daily devotion. Get the daily bread. Figure out what your day's going to be like. Set the pace of what your day is going to be like. Don't play with spiritism. Drugs opens up our mind to all kinds of things. It does. It's mind-expanding, but not in a good way. Witchcraft, sorcery, necromancy. I've told you this. When I was, I got saved in a first Baptist church, Chicago Heights, Illinois, and then that very summer we moved to another little community that was only about ten or twelve miles away, but like ten or twelve miles back then was like, whoa, that's too far. So uh, we were looking for a church and I found a, a church. I won't tell you it was Methodist, but I found a church and uh, and, and I was sitting back there as a like an eight or nine or 10-year-old boy in the congregation, and the minister up in the front says, I just went to Chicago for a seance. It was so interesting. Everybody ought to go to a seance at least once. And I'm sitting there as a little kid saying, are you out of your ever-loving mind? What is the matter with you? They're nothing to mess with physically or spiritually. A lot of you remember back when the, a lot of the movies came out with all these spiritism themes? Ah, I can't even remember the names of them. The Omen was one of them. And I can't remember. So, don't open yourself up to that kind of... You say, oh, preacher, I don't believe that stuff. You know what? It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. It's in the Bible. It's in the Word of God. And it's in the world today. So stay away from that kind of stuff. People were hearing... Jesus, or hearing about him because of the great power that he had in casting evil spirits. And you know what I think? I think God can remove and purge not only the evil spirits, but the other lusts of the flesh out of our hearts and our minds. Pornography. Guys, what they're saying scientifically is you view pornography, it chemically changes your brain, and it's addictive in a similar way that cocaine is. You don't think that's the devil's playground? Surely, this person who could cast a demon out of a man, surely this person is the Messiah, and surely everyone will follow him, right? No. But they will crucify him because he told the truth and because he was the son of God and is the son of God. And he's got a better way for us. I don't want to know what the future holds other than what the future talks about here. I believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. I hope he comes back today, right after lunch. I hope he comes back anytime. Right now would be fine with me. Wouldn't it be great to be in God's house in church when the trumpets sound and, and all of a sudden, well, zoom, we take off out of here. We gone. A couple of you are st- sitting here going. What just happened? Next week, we're going to talk about God called preachers, and we'll have Holy Communion. I want you to think about the things we've talked about today. Let God's Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, complete opposite from the evil spirit, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, let him work in your life this week. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful and thankful for the great power that you have That you've delegated to your son, that the Holy Spirit has, that the Trinity has, Lord, absolute power, the only absolute power there is, No, no other absolute power anywhere else. Power has corrupted so many, but absolute power, it's said is absolute corruption, but it's not because you're the only absolute power there is and there's no corruption in you. So, Father... We believe in your sovereignty. We believe in your kingship. We believe in your lordship. We believe in you as being our God, our savior, our redeemer, our coming prince of peace, our one who loves us more than anyone else in the whole world, so much so that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Holy Spirit, speak to hearts and minds right now. Deliver people who may be in the throes of spirit activity and don't even know it maybe. God, deliver those who are controlled by substances, pornography, drugs, maybe even prescription drugs. Doesn't make it right if we get dependent on them. Father, I pray that you would help us to seek after you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. God bless us as a nation. God, our country is falling off that precipice that they tried to push Jesus off of. I pray that you would save us, that you would give us a national revival, that you would do your work in our lives. Lord, God, may it start with us as your children. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand, please? If you need to receive Christ as your personal Savior, come on down here. Guys, I'll talk with you. My wife's right over here. She'll talk with the ladies. You want to come and ask God's help in delivering you from something? Then You come right now. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, if you need to come and pray, we'll come and pray with you. So as we sing a couple of verses of invitation, you come on down to the front. Say happy memorial day, because it's not a happy event. It is appropriate to say remember or to be thankful for those who were willing to pay such a heavy price for us all. But have a safe memorial day also and be sure to honor the Lord and all that you do. And Bobby, would you please dismiss us in a word of prayer? God bless you. Have a great rest of the Lord's Day.
0: Father, we thank you for just so many blessings that you so graciously lavish upon us. We ask that you forgive us when we do not acknowledge all the greatness that you are and all how much you do for us that we're not even aware of. But we thank you for this message today. We thank you for the pastor and just his wisdom and strength you've given him. We pray you continue to watch over him and honor him. We pray that you watch over his congregation today as we go and do your bidding in the places you've allowed us to go.
1: We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.